Are you a fan of one of the three high schools in the town of Fort Mill? Well, you've come to the right place to catch up on all the information surrounding your favorite team. We're just three old dudes who love high school athletics and love the town of Fort Mill. Call us, the Mouthy Milltowners. And welcome in everybody to another edition of Mouthy Milltowners. The same three idiots back in the same idiotic padded room. Padded chairs? Padded chairs. Yes. A little little cushion for the the two she there. Uh, especially after riding in the car for umpteen hours over the last so, however many days. I was meant to ask you, was there an accident on 85? There was an accident on 85, and people don't know how to drive. And there were also the popo were like butter on popcorn. Yeah, um, that's, that's the problem. Any team has to go down and travel through the death trap of 85. Which it seems like it's getting a little bit better. Well, that yeah, that's... <laughs> that's like saying you got termites and you finally got them cornered in one of the rooms. <laughs> like it's it, yeah, getting better, but still a long way to go on that one. But yeah, been on, been a long week, been a trying week, but a lot happened uh, this week. And Mac, we'll start with good news, buddy. Tell us about what happened with Katai Ridge Hughes this week. Well, Katai Ridge is uh, still alive in the playoffs. Um, they beat Greenwood yesterday pretty pretty handily. So they are now moving on to the third round where they will travel to Riverside on um, Thursday, February 22nd. Um, they will face them. And I think Riverside beat, I'm not sure who they beat. But anyway, they're still in it and CR is still in it. So it's going to be a dog fight down there at Riverside. Um, it's a very intimidating place to play, as you well, no. Oh yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. That's um, it. It can be. Um, it's a beautiful arena. It's not the same as the one that I played in, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a pretty daunting place. Um, didn't didn't CR play the Warriors? CR girls volleyball played down there and won. Um, in no, but I I mean in hoops, like boys hoops, like um, a couple years ago maybe or. Thing. You know, Riverside came up and played in the Milltown. They did, and they won it. Preseason thing, right. Yeah. So they've been up, up here. Never forget that kid's name. Pharrell Boyaguano. Can I buy a Go, yeah. <laughs> who's, now, yeah. who's now playing college basketball? So that tells you how good he was. So CR beat Greenwood, 78-49. Pretty, it was not as, you know, distance of a, of a score as it seemed. Um, it was pretty close in the first half. CR only led by 10, 41-31 at the half, but came out in the second half and just started going on little runs. Uh, Zion Hager had 32 points. Um, Lance Barnes finished with 19, and CR is now 24-3. And like I said, we'll travel down to Riverside with a chance to play in the upper state. Um, finals if they win obviously against either Greer or Lancaster that game would be Wednesday the 28th of February at the Florence Civic Center in the great metropolitan area of Florence. Of Florence, South Carolina, the heart of the PD now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Riverside won Region 2 4A 
the Greer Yellow Jackets, I think, finished second. Matter of fact, I think Greer's only two losses were to the Warriors, I think. Um, as a Riverside grad, I would love to say, yeah, that's true because, well, it's kind of like Fort Mill and Nation Fort. Um, no love lost, really. Though a lot of respect, but not a whole lot of love lost between the Yellow Jackets of Greer and the Warriors of Riverside. But, um, yeah, like you said, a very daunting place. You know, Greer can be a daunting place. It's an older gym, but the fans are on top of you, so uh, that it, it could be. But you got to like Catawba Ridge's chances. And we go back to a couple weeks ago when they took it on the chin and they lost unexpectedly, and you kind of felt like, was that maybe a good loss at the time to maybe ring a bell for them? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you're going to lose, it's better to lose, obviously, during a regular season in a game that I don't want to say didn't mean anything, but um, you're still able to control your destiny, so to speak, control your future. So it's good to get it out of the way. You know, it's going to happen. Um, so but they finally started looking more like themselves against Wade Hampton, who they opened the uh, playoffs with. Uh, they beat Wade Hampton 81-38. Um, again, got off to a quick start and then kind of hit cruise control. Wade Hampton has only had like three wins coming into the game all season. So they were um, not very good, so to speak. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Key Webb with 19, Barnes with 18, and Hager with 17. Um, so that was the opening round. And then the Lady <coughs> Copperheads went to Wade Hampton, and um, things did not turn out you know, like they were hoping. Even though it was somewhat close initially, um, they fell 67-44 and kind of ended their season on a, on a not-so-good note. But... It's just one of those things where they made the playoffs and they got a lot of youth on their roster and they're going to be growing. Um, so things are looking up. You know, they started the season and they did pretty poorly and then they turned it around, made the playoffs, um, and then finished 8-18. Eight so they finished better than they started, so it's just obviously a positive. Yeah, momentum going into 24-25 uh, uh, for sure. Um, other teams that were in the playoffs, is actually all three high schools were in the playoffs uh, this week, boys and girls. Um, not the best week for Fort Mill basketball, unfortunately. Um, the girls made the playoffs. They had to take a trip to Greenville County, what's affectionately known as the Stable, home of the Malden Mavericks. Um, so... That arena is big. It's not the same one that I played in back in the day. Not even close. The new gym is about 75 to 100 feet to the right of the old gym, which is now considered an ox gym by Coach M, who's the athletic director of uh, Malden. And Malden was a very respectable 15-1 and going into that game. Yellow Jackets knew it would be a challenge, and it was that and then some. Uh, Zara Lehman was just unstoppable. She could shoot the three, she could drive baseline, she could stop and pop from 15. And then there was Destiny Madison, who's a, a young lady in the middle of the floor, or middle of the, of the lane, I should say, who can basically throw her weight around, bump and grind with you. She'd hit the boards really hard. Uh, Malden jumped out to an early lead and they went on to win fairly easily, unfortunately, 
defeating Fort Mill 69 to 31, and the jacket season comes to an end. I think the final record was 17 and 10, I believe, uh, for the Yellow Jackets. Again, most wins since 2016 and 2013. But if it makes anybody feel any better, um, which it probably doesn't, but um, on the 16th of February, uh, the Malden Mavericks welcomed the Dorman Cavaliers. Yeah, the final score of that game was Malden 61, Dorman 41. That's how good the Mavericks are. Uh, Angel McGowan has them rolling. They are the defending 5A champions. Their only loss was at Burns back in January. So, and a lot of um, people have lost to Burns this year, too. A lot of people have lost to Burns this year. We're, gonna, we're actually going to get to that in just a second. <laughs> See, that's a nice segue, buddy. That's that's a professional move. <laughs> that's that's why you're on the radio. Well, and guess who up. Malden plays tomorrow, Monday the 19th? Guess who they welcome to the stable? Here comes Cousin Kenny. Oh. Cousin Kenny and his fighting Bearcats. You know what? If I didn't have to go to a funeral and have to go to a baseball scrimmage, I literally would drive to Greenville and pay money to see that. Yeah. That's going to be game. spectacular. Rock Hill and Malden, because I think Rock Hill matches up well with Malden. They can get out in transition just like the Mavericks. They can drive baseline, shoot the three. They can drive down the sides of the lane. They know how to dish it and that, that extra pass. That that To me, that's a good matchup. And you have Cousin Kenny. And you got Cousin Kenny. And, I mean, Angel McGowan, one of the best in the state, if not the best. Same thing about Kenny Orr. So, again, it, that that should be a whole lot of fun. Um, the only thing I'll say about Malden is that it was a little too loud. And I know I get obnoxious in the hive with music and the microphone and everything. Did they have a DJ? But it was – they did. Some, they did. Some His name is DJ schools, Zach. Some high schools are now starting that. Yes. And I find it – Extremely annoying. Now maybe it's because it, I'm old and grumpy. You are. But I mean, that's been verified. Yeah, you, you, know, you know, ask my wife. I, I said, said I don't go to games for that same reason. Well, you take a time out, and however you be able to hear your coach or hear your players or discuss anything. Yeah. And, you know, DJ Jazzy Jeff's in the corner mixing beats from you know the '90s. Well, it it actually became a problem on the broadcast because some people said, "Hey, I can barely hear you from." "Quote unquote," that guy behind you. Um, actually, I'll say this: DJ Zach was a super nice guy. When I got there, Coach M was going to put me courtside in a cushion chair on, and, and I'd never done a game courtside. I'd done a game at the table, right, many a time, but actual courtside with no table, just kind of like a fan. Uh, but DJ Zach was like, "Hey, man, nah, nah, come over here and sit beside me." Um, and some of the tunes he was spinning were great. It was just ear splitting. It was way too loud. Um, it was almost like a, a, a club instead of an arena. But um, he even gave me his card, so that was kind of cool. Um, he does weddings and barbecues. I don't know, man. He probably does it all. But um, he has he has a three call that I've never heard before. He would say something like, Zar Lehman, four, one, two. And then the crowd would go, three. Um, yeah, it's different. You got to like it. It's, you gotta like it. That's creative, but uh, but uh, getting back to Fort Mill basketball, uh, Coach Rubel's uh, team, his second year at Fort Mill, seventeen and ten, make the playoffs. Uh, so a lot to be proud of there uh, for the Jackets. Uh, speaking of basketball, let's skip over to boys basketball, and for the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets, it was 
kind of the tale of two different games, if you will. Um, the first game was Tuesday night. Because of the loss to Nation Ford Friday before, Fort Mill had to go on the road to Woodmont, which is in Greenville County. Now, barely. It's in that southwest corner near Anderson. And it's still, like when I was in high school, that was considered the boondocks. But now, it's a 5A school. That, that tells you how Greenville has grown. Mm -hmm. But Woodmont had the home game, uh, welcomed the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets, and it did not get off to the most harmonious start for Fort Mill. Um, young man named Huff for the Wildcats went off. And with 5.56 to go second quarter, Coach Myron Lowry was forced to call a timeout because Woodmont led Fort Mill 25-12. to 12. But that's when the Jackets said, oh, that's cute, watch this. And then all of a sudden, the Wildcats stopped hitting shot. They were red hot first quarter. They couldn't miss. And then all of a sudden, they went cold. Fort Mill started driving the basketball. Fort Mill was 13 of 16 from the free throw line and shot 40-something percent from three. Final score, Fort Mill 59, Woodmont 51. So like y'all were saying, it ain't how you start, it's how you finish. Fort Mill proved that which earned a second-round date at Burns last night, Saturday night, uh, at James F. Burns. Tough place to play, one of those places like a Dorman, like a Wando. It just doesn't matter to sport. Lots of fans show up, and they're into it. And, boy, they were into it. Um, I had three – I'm not a basketball coach. I know just enough to be dangerous, honestly. Um, but my three keys to the game – because I had a broadcast buddy call me and say, hey, man, can Fort Mill actually win this game? I said, yeah, they can. If you look at the games the Rebels have lost this year, and they lost four, um, it's because the other team didn't turn the ball over. They took care of the basketball. They slowed the game down and forced the Rebels to play in a half-court situation and not get out and transition, and they cleaned up the glass. Those were the, my three keys from what I saw on film. Here was the problem. Fort Mill was careless with the basketball. The Burns Rebels had more transition points in the first quarter than Fort Mill had points total. Fort Mill was one and done on the offensive side. Rarely did they get an offensive rebound, and when they did, it usually it wasn't going in either. And then um, the, it, it really became a blowout really, really quickly. Fort Mill actually jumped out to a 5-0 lead, a three-pointer from A.J., uh, and then Daryl Carrington with a bucket made a 5-0 Jackets. But it was all Mavericks after that. Um, and Malden just, when I say they cruised, they, they cruised. The final score, Rebels 66, Fort Mill 43. So uh, that ends the season for the Fort Mill boys team. Final record of 16-12. and 12. In case you're wondering, the four teams left in the upstate in 5A, the Malden Mavericks, they host the Dorman Cavaliers Tuesday night in the stable and then Tuesday night as well at Burns High School, home of the Rebels. They will welcome the T.L. Hanna Yellow Jackets. T.L. Hanna now has their own broadcast team on MixLR, and so I will be listening to my boy Tommy Bell. Used to coach here at Fort Mill, the athletic director at T.L. Hanna. Great dude. I mean, he is just a honest-to-goodness good person. If you're, if you're a rules nut job like myself and you have a question about the rules, South Carolina High School League and high school athletics, Tommy Bell is your Google. 
he, if he doesn't know it, he will find it in seconds. Um, he's the color analyst for the, the Yellow Jackets network and did a great job. So versatility, there you go. Um, but T.L. Hanna has to go to Burns. So, But the winners of those games will meet in the Upper State Championship. That'll be in Florence in the Civic Center uh, sometime on Friday? Sometime. Friday or Saturday? Yeah, sometime, I think. Well, no. No, yeah, it'd be the following because if you play Tuesday, you win, you got to play again Friday night, I think. So then that pushes it, doesn't it? Possibly. I think, I think it's the 23rd. Sounds right. Friday, that'd be Friday. Sounds right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so that was uh, that takes care of Fort Mill basketball uh, for the 2023-2024 season. Again, a lot of positives, a lot of uh, great memories made. Um, but Keith, your nation for Falcons, they got to can I can I spoil it a little bit? They got to do something that they hadn't done in a month of Sundays, and that was host a playoff game. Yeah, and. and- it was pretty lively, and we we were pretty excited to see that happen. And of course, whenever you see a, a, an opponent coming up from Spartanburg County, like Spartan, like the Spartanburg Vikings, you start you know, worrying a little bit because we've all had those bad nightmares at, at both he, uh, Nation Ford and at Fort Mill, uh, having to deal with the Vikings. Most of the time, it seems like we're always going down I eighty five to play them in football, but in this case, they came up to. Um, Mission Ford for a first round 5A boys basketball matchup. And before I even go with that, let's let's turn to the girls first. Uh, the girls uh, had to go down to Gaffney and unfortunately it was a it was tough sledding down there. Speaking of I-85, uh, Coach Bennett's team fell to the Gaffney Indians 50 to 26 to be eliminated from the state playoffs. They finished the season 10 and 16, unfortunately, on a 11 game slide. But uh, there's definitely some hope for that varsity girls basketball team. They were very, very young, uh, led by Raya Hurd, who was an eighth grader. So there's some good things to come from this team. And uh, they gained a lot of experience. Uh, unfortunately, the winning ledger was not increased during the last couple of months of the season. but. Uh, have no fear, Coach Bennett is here and he will make sure that, that they'll be ready for next season. But then getting over to the boys, again, they played the Vikings of Spartanburg and and I can't remember the last time that we beat Spartanburg in anything except for back in 2018, we eliminated them to win the district in baseball. So there's that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was, that was fun. So bringing them into uh, Nation Ford was going to be a tall task, but from the, the jump, it really wasn't all that daunting after all. Falcons jump out to a real early lead. Um, ben Chuddy went berserk and hit seven three-pointers, and uh, that's something that Coach Brown's going to be pretty excited about next year, having him back as a senior. Scored a career-high 28. Uh, Jackson Burnham added 15 in that game. The Falcons led by as many as 32 in the second half en route to a 77-55 first-round victory over Spartanburg. And that gave them the matchup on Saturday night last night against the T.L. Hannah Yellow Jackets. It's that team again. Mama, there's that man again. There's that man again. And 
different yellow jackets this time. They've uh, been used to playing Fort Mill yellow jackets all season, and they brought in another one and just really could not get out of the quicksand. T.L. Hanna jumps out to an early lead, and Nation Ford just really couldn't catch up. They got within four a few times. Uh, halftime was a four-point deficit for the Falcons. Uh, they were down in the third quarter by four, 26-22, but they just could not get over the hump. Turnovers played a major part in that, and T.L. Hanna decided to just stretch the lead out, stretch the lead out. And by the time the fourth quarter came around, um, Hannah decided to do the Dean E. Smith four corners route and slow things down to try to milk a little bit of clock. And uh, unfortunately, the Falcons just didn't have an answer to to uh, do it. They did cut the lead to five down the stretch, but um, T.L. Hannah was able to pull away with the victory. Uh, Jackson Burnham had 21 points. For the Falcons, the Falcons finished 14 and 13, but overall, I think they had a pretty good season. Uh, they they made a big run there towards the middle of the season, where they ran off, uh, I think it was six in a row in the region, and were able to to finish in second place behind Blythewood. So, overall, another successful season for the Falcons, and uh, we'll look forward to next winter and see what happens with, um, especially with senior Ben Chevy on the team. Well, it, 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 I'll say this. I was doing something that's probably not the brightest thing in the world to do, which seems to be my forte. Way. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, that, yeah. Um, I was actually, I had my earpiece in my right ear, ear listening to the T.L. Hanna Radio Network, listening to the Falcons play the, the Jackets while broadcasting the Burns-Fort Mill game. <laughs> so there was times where I stopped talking or was a little jittery with my language, because I was paying attention. And what it sounded like at times was the Falcons would go on a little mini run, so to speak. But every time they would, the crowd, and the crowd, it sounded like the place was packed. I mean, they were making all kinds of racket. It was awesome to hear that. And it, but every time the Falcons, like you said, they cut it to three, they cut it to four. And then every time, here comes Hannah, they, they'd hit a three. Or they'd do a, a double back cut and get a layup or, hit a shot, kind of take the crowd out a little bit and kind of take momentum. And it seemed like every time Coach Brown's team was starting to get there and get over that hump, Hannah just closed the door and, and wouldn't let them back in. It reminded me a lot of the Clemson-North Carolina game last week where uh, North Carolina would make that run to cut it to 3-2-1, something like that. And then the Tigers just went ahead and, and stepped on their throat and kind of took all hope from them, and that's kind of what happened to the Falcons last night. Nonetheless, very proud of their, their work this season. And um, you know, like you said, hosting a, a, a playoff game for the first time in God knows how long, maybe since my daughter was there. <laughs> wow, been a minute. It's been a minute. Been so a minute, very, yeah. Uh, very nice to see that, and the students well, rallied behind them. I would assume it was Jared Adamson 2019? 2018. I think 2018, probably. 2018, yeah. Before yeah. COVID. Before COVID, right. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, yeah, if you ask me, those are successful seasons. I mean, all six teams, three high schools, they all made the playoffs. Um, some of them got to the second round. So it's just, it's just one of those things where it's ultra competitive in hoops, uh, especially in that Greenville corridor. The Columbia corridor, sometimes Ridgeview is really, really good. Mm -hmm. And then you get those low country teams that can 
shoot the basketball as well. So if you look at the, the last four in the upstate, I would argue two of those four, the death taxes and those two teams are in the upper state semis or upper state finals. So, um, But other sports news um, that happened this past week, let's move on over to wrestling. Um, no, Mac, don't give us the update on – no, no, not on Raw. Don't tell us about Raw. Okay. We need to talk about wrestling for a second. Um, we had some state qualifiers, didn't we? Yes, we did. The uh, 4A upper state tournament was held at uh, Northwestern. Um, CR had three wrestlers qualify, Jared Eubanks, um, Cole Stuckets, and Alex Johnson. Uh, Eubanks won the upper state and – 175-pound weight class, picked up his 150th career win uh, in the process during that tournament. Um, he's 53 and one this season, which is kind of crazy, considering you know it didn't seem that they wrestled that many times, but um, obviously they have. Uh, down at Hillcrest, over in, in the Greenville County area, um, Fort Mill had six wrestlers qualify. Nation Fort had three. Nation Ford had Danny Gilsdorf, 132 pounds, and then Derek Ballon Van, I want to say Sandwich, but I'm sure it's not pronounced Sandwich. sandwich. You watch your mouth, young man. It's S-A-N-D-W-Y-K, but, you know, for me it's Sandwich. Kiss your mother with that mouth? No. Okay, um, all right. And then uh, our friend of the show, uh, Mitchell Adamas, uh, he qualified as well. And then for Fort Mill, uh, Tucker Gibson, um, he won an upper state championship at 126 pounds. And then there were several other Fort Mill wrestlers qualify. Luke Van Bynum, Lincoln Green, Aiden Eubanks, Jacob Nally, and Joseph Richardson, uh, Jay Rich, all qualified um, and will be heading to Anderson Civic Center uh, this coming weekend, 23rd and 24th, for the uh, 5A coverage of the 4A state tournament um, and weekend worth of wrestling all in one building with two bathrooms. So, two or three bathrooms. So, yeah, go, go figure. Um, <laughs> You're really hung up on this, aren't you? Because he blasted them last week, too. <laughs> the place, I mean, I, there's got to be a better facility than the Anderson Civic Center. Got to be? There most certainly is. To have an and you got all classifications, plus you have girls in there now for girls going for state championship. It's a long weekend as it is. There's barely enough parking. There's definitely not enough bathrooms. There's definitely not enough concessions. And it's it's like ants on top of each other. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the wrestlers on the mat. No, 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 no. Fans and fans media and, and stuff. Yeah. And and wrestlers and yeah. trying to move about. It's just, it's, and they've held it there for at least a decade that I know. And, you know, Anderson, the city's nice. It's got plenty of things to do, but that place is outdated. Yeah. Yeah. So, but best of luck to those state qualifiers for sure. Um, I know that they'll do a great job and um, hopefully can bring home some more hardware. That would be, uh, that would be outstanding. Uh, do want to talk about some scores that happened Saturday uh, with Fort Mill Athletics. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Um, in JV Girls Soccer, I think they played a doubleheader 
Um, they lost to Greenbrier. Never heard of them. They lost 2-1 and then turned around and drew with Chapin 2-2. The JV boys soccer team defeated Northwestern, and then they lost to Oceanside Collegiate. 2-1 uh, varsity boys soccer blanked the South Point Stallions 4-0, and then they drew with Oceanside Collegiate 2-2. Uh, so soccer, those are again, those are scrimmages, I believe. They're not games. So, But again, you're starting to put stuff on film. You're starting to get these young men and women coached up and, and ready for the spring season. And uh, what is it, 12 sports in the spring? It's something ridiculous. Yeah, the, um, the spring semester, yeah, it's just, it's, I actually feel, my heart goes out to our athletic directors because this time of the year, I mean, I've heard them, all three make the joke, AD stands for all day and after dark. Um, by the way, Coach Carter Woodmont told me that same joke, and he goes, it's a joke, but it's really not. Like, in the spring, that's literally what you're doing. It's like dad jokes, only it's AD jokes. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, the, but they all, all do a great job, and, and they are. They're, they're at the, up at the crack of dawn at the school, and then you turn around at an event, and they're there. So um, dedication for sure. Um, what else do we have, kind sir? I've got a couple of nation four oh, soccer schools. Lay it on us. Um, varsity boys uh, blanked Brooklyn Casey six nil. I like how you use that nil. I'm not a soccer guy. I don't know much about soccer, but I do like the that they call zero nil. And then turned around yesterday and blanked Eastside two to nil. So uh, according to Max Preps, it looks like Nation Ford has started their official soccer season and they are two and zero so far this season by the way the the east side eagles you're talking about the back-to-back 4a state champion right east side eagles that that's impressive that to keep them off the scoreboard that you know the other thing they do around the world and in in england when they announce a score like earlier today my my club manchester united played luton town but it was at luton town so the home team goes first not not at the bottom yeah. So the final score was announced, Luton Town 1, Manchester United 2. They announced the score based off who the home team is, not who has the most goals or runs or – anyway, I find that I find that bizarre. Even when – and listen to the broadcast. And listen to Keith's broadcast. You'll hear it. We'll say, hey, that's the end of the fifth, and if the other team's winning 7-4, their name gets called first because they got more I runs. I don't know why they do that. I have no idea why they do it's that. It's another hemisphere. It's the same reason that when they flush the toilets, it goes backwards and stuff. Oh. <laughs> but, oh. Also, it's soccer. The, oh, uh, dude. Tom Ranch, you want a little soccer. salt and pepper with that, you? Boys soccer uh, in the Milltown tournament, they beat Rock Hill 3 0. <laughs> sorry. And then um, they beat St. Joe's, if I'm not mistaken. Lost He's from the southern part of Leicester. They beat St. Joe's today. Hello, uh, Governor. They beat St. Joe's. I'll get it out one day. They beat St. Joe's one day. <laughs> now all of a sudden he's from East London. And now they will advance to the third Milltown final. Well, I do believe they will face the Clover Blue Eagles. Okay, now he sounds Irish. We've so already, he's, he's gone to Dublin now. He's jumped, the, he's jumped the, the channel. He is Irish, yes. Who? Clover. Clover. Well, for perspective, speaking of the east side that you were talking about, they uh, they squeaked by York in their first game before they played NAFO, and it was one of the tightest games I've ever seen. Nine nil. Nine nil. 
yeah, I, I, I'm not going to throw stones at that one because, yeah, at Riverside, we beat somebody back in the day 15 known. And they were probably the thing about it was it was kind of like what I call the cousin Kenny syndrome where it wasn't like coach Jose kept the starters in he put the starters in and played them like the first 30 minutes and I think we already had like five or six at that point he would let the bench players come in and gave the the starters the rest of the night off but the problem at that point in time with Riverside soccer was the bench was almost as good as the starters so there wasn't a lot of drop off yes Yes, they are for sure. Yeah, so so upcoming sports. Um, I do know, I do. I think pretty sure there's a softball scrimmage this week. Pretty sure, baseball has two scrimmage. Fort Mill soft, uh, baseball two scrimmages this week. Monday night, six p.m. first pitch against the Buford Yellow Jackets. Remember, that's what Lee Whitaker was talking about. East yeah, LA. JV team scrimmage them already. Yeah, and then. Um, Again, on Wednesday night, also at, in the Hive against Louisville. And by the way, JV Nation Ford and Fort Mill baseball team hooked up on Friday night over in the nest. And like kissing your sister, it ended 5-5. <laughs> sorry. I'm, it's, I'm sorry. I'm Listen, you can have draws in soccer. There, I am I am adamant about there is no such thing as a tie or a draw in baseball don't care i don't care play it going to the dugout intending to play a ninth inning or whatever it was we were hoping you would yeah and and then i saw people lining up and i don't know who yelled line up but i started going wait a minute this game's over no 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 we've been here too long for a five 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 draw yeah so um but the crazy thing about that game when you look at the line score this is going to Look at Mac Banks' face when I say this line score. For the Falcons, five runs on seven hits, one error, six runners left on base. For the Fort Mill Yellow Jackets, five runs on eight hits, eight errors, and eight men left on base. Look at his face. He's like, eight errors? What What the heck? Who's scoring that? <laughs> that would be me. Yeah. And by the way, you can ask this gentleman to yeah, my right. Those are legit errors. Is this JV? Yes. Those How many times did we commit an error by the pitcher trying to pick the guy off at first? Yeah. At least three times. Yes. Yes. And our third baseman tried to throw it to second and airmailed him, but Kareem Abdul Jabbar wouldn't have had a shot at it. Ended up in right field. Wasn't well, um, a swinging bunt that the pitcher threw to Lancaster? Oh, he did. Yeah. He did. I actually think I read that in the Lancaster News. It actually hit the mayor of Lancaster. <laughs> On, on the side of the face it traveled so far that nice. it would all over the place oh, I but the, had a ball whiz. I, mean, I had a ball literally whiz right by yeah my you did and you were umping yeah yeah and that that's really hard when you're behind the mound at night yeah. trying to see that so um you wear a helmet out there. well you should have seen the pictures that, no. uh, that, that Avery Ashworth posted for that game oh really and, and a lot it's a lot of the pitchers that you know were were up for us. And there I am in the background with a mean mug on my face, trying, yeah. to, trying to look that far ahead to see where the ball yes. landed. <laughs> so, so when you're doing Game Changer and a play happens, sometimes you've got you've to drag this over here and push this button. So you're, it's real simple to miss one or two pitches of the next yeah. at bat. And there must have been at least half a dozen times I'm like, ump, ump. And <laughs> he wouldn't look at me, and I'm like, Coach Cook radio silence then i'll finally at the top of my lungs and you know when i'm at the top of my lungs 
I'm waking up dead people. I go, Keith! <laughs> he still wouldn't look at me. I'm like, oh my God, he's blind and deaf. And he's the umpire. What What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? And we won't comment on any other umpires <laughs> when we speak of uh, those uh, oh, categories. <laughs> oh, man, I'm telling you what. But there was a lesson learned for all you baseball players and, and coaches out there. I thought this was a great teaching moment. Fort Mill, so so Keith would be the umpire when the Falcons were pitching, and then Coach Blackwell did it uh, for and Fort ben, Mill. He did it for a lot. Yeah, Bennett did it as well. And, uh, and there was one where Coach Blackwell was calling balls and strikes, and it was our pitcher, and he was way outside the zone with the first three. It's 3-0. And then he lays one just off the outside corner and doesn't get the call, four-pitch walk. And he got to the dugout. He said something out loud. And Coach Blackwell lit him in the next week and said, here's the problem with that. You went to say something to me, and I'm your coach. You say something to an umpire with the way the new rules are this this year, goodbye. And you're a JV player. That that I don't know what you're – that you could be done. Well, and, and, and so he said, what he said to him is he said, what you need to learn is twofold. Number one, you do not show that kind of emotion. You play the game with emotion, but you don't be emotional. That, that's, that's the fine line. So you don't talk to the umpire. But the other thing is, as a pitcher, if it's 3-0, and then all of a sudden you want something on the corner, that is not how it works in 5A baseball in this state. It doesn't. Right. You have got to be near the plate consistently to get those borderline calls. If you're all over the place, man, you got to throw it right down the to get a call. I'm sorry, you do. Yeah. You do. Well, in our first game against York, um, I was also calling the balls and strikes, and um, I guess I was being perceived as squeezing my guys, and um, you could see kind of some some displeasure in some of our pitchers, like uh, Carter Powell, and uh, and so I got back to the dugout. The parents lit me up like a Christmas tree because of course. Was just, that was fun. Yes, that was, that was actually a lot of fun. But uh, I come out to the uh, to the the mound and Matt Scott, who's a freshman pitcher of ours, was coming up to, to throw. And um, our catcher's name is Summit Mitchell. And he, and he is a man of very few words. If he says 10 words in a week, then he's excited about something. Wow. That kind of guy. Okay. Great, great kid. Copy. And so I come out to the mound and I look at Matt and I said, Matt, I promise you I'm not going to squeeze you like I did Carter. And Carter actually pitched great. So, uh, and uh, he says, Oh, I take it that uh, Summit uh, addressed his concerns with you about some of your calls. Concerns. So that's what we're calling yeah. it today. Yeah, so okay. All Summit, all Summit said to me was, I think those were strikes. So five words. <laughs> I think those were strikes. And it was the funniest thing, especially okay. when Matt confirmed it. So I guess Summit expressed his concerns. I said, yes, he sure did. And uh and uh, it was a lot of fun. These guys are a lot of fun. I know you have a lot of fun with your guys, and it's there, there was there was a lot of teachable moments that I, I think probably the most um, I won't say enjoyable, but but the moment that got me was uh, Fort Mill has a, a player coach, Braden Plyler, uh, Coach Plyler, and because uh, he wants to coach in college. That's who the young guy is. That's who the young guy is. I was yeah. Ask you about yeah. That. I thought that's who it was. But yes. I'm not sure. We made. A throwing error, shocking, uh, but we made a throwing error and then walked a guy, and he turned around, took his hat off, and looked at me and goes, "Coach, what what are we doing?" And I said, 
Braden, you remember as a player, and y'all be hanging on the railing, and you'd be like, hey, no problem. It's a, it's a walk, one first and second. Hey, nothing harmed. So what? So what? And all of a sudden, you're a coach. You're like, what are we doing? <laughs> Welcome right. to how the other half lives. <laughs> Welcome, my friend, to the dark side. Um, but it, it, And you can see the coach in him starting to bubble to the surface. I love that, to see young people find that niche, what they want to do, and then you can start to see the talent start to bubble out. Going to brag on another person. Well, Avery Childs did the same thing. Avery Childs, yes, yeah. uh, at 100%. Yeah. 100%. Matter of fact, Avery was an assistant in the summertime for Coach Lewis, right. and I walked in the dugout, and I thought it looked like him, but I was like, no, that kid looks like he's still in high school. But but Avery, <laughs> he's not. Yeah. Um, but he just looks like he just he's a sophomore. Yeah. He's just got that that young complexion yeah, still. Yeah. So, but another young man from the the Milltown. I want to say a big ups to Grayson Bray. Uh, Grayson Bray, um, Ridge Copperhead, public address announcer for the Copperheads for several different sports. He landed a gig with Flo Flamingo, the Florence Flamingos. Um, he also landed the PA gig for Chanticleers Baseball for their opening season tournament this past wow. weekend. His first game was Duke against Indiana at 11 a.m. Grayson Bray, or Gray Bray as we call him, um, just talented young man. You won't find a more solid human being. He, I could tell you stories for days about things he's done for other people, but he just works his butt off. The talent is shining through, and he's starting to get gigs. Um, I think he's only a junior at Coastal, so big things to come for Grayson Bray. For Super doggone proud of that youngster. He, he's, I, I, I joked with him over text. I said, don't forget about us little people when you make it to the big time. All I want is to, to just be your color guy like one time, and then I can ch- check that off my list and leave you alone. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that I want to encourage a lot of these, especially these baseball players, to yes. get in the booth and, and yes. have the opportunity to be able to see what it is I do up there and, and things like that because – a lot of these guys would be outstanding broadcasters. They would. Especially with the personalities that they have. They, they would. Know the game. And so. But they won't. A lot Well, a lot of them, the feedback I get is, yeah, that it, it looks like it's pretty cool, but it also looks like a lot of work, and it's the microphone. They will too. tell you the microphone is what scares them. Right. And, I, and, and my counter to that is, let me make sure I understand this. You're okay making a, a mistake in front of 500 fans. But you're not okay with making a mistake with 500 fans listening to you. Does that make any sense at all? It doesn't to me. But most people I, forget the mistakes on the air more than they would something on the field. I, you know, listen, I, yeah, there's no such thing as a perfect broadcast. It's never happened. Isn't the old terminology once I say it's gone? And it, it's it's gone. There, it's gone. It's, it's gone. gone. There's also a rule of thumb that when you make a mistake, you don't apologize. Sorry, I don't buy into that. Made him, I made several mistakes at Burns, but actually I got tongue-tied on one, called the kid the wrong name, and I said apologies for that, and then moved on. Yeah. You got to own it. Oh, yeah. You got to own it. I think, if you, I think if you just gloss over it, so to speak, and the listener hears it, and they're like, wait a minute, that's not right, but then you own up to it, they're like, okay, cool. But then if you don't, it's like, well, wait a minute, what, what the heck? Was he really calling the game right? Correct. They start to question, is, am I really getting told the truth, what's really happening? So, um, But, I w- yeah, like you said, I wish more 
players would do that. That's kind of where the industry's going anyway. If you played the game, you're getting jobs, even if you're not talented uh, on the air. You're still getting jobs over people that are talented, which I think is stupid. But nonetheless, um, what? Max looking at me you like don't what? Hear the little beeping thing going off. That's the pocket calculator from that Elaine Bennis had that the Russian author. I don't hear what you're talking about, okay, bro. Keith explained it. Okay. You you understand don't do drugs, right? Right, you understand that? No, yeah. sorry, Nancy Reagan. Okay, okay. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy Reagan. Reagan. I've been called worse. Um, uh, me too. I was I'm called a lot worse on Friday night, matter of fact. Um, so, <laughs> welcome to coaching. But um, but that's going to wrap it up. For hope you enjoyed the uh, podcast today. Uh, just really appreciate all the support um, that y'all provide us. Uh, anybody who wants to be on the show, let us know. We are going to do our best to have a guest on next week. Um, I'd really love to have a baseball coach on next week, whether it's from NAFO or Fort Mill or CR, we'll get, we'll wrangle somebody. Um, Mike Lewis is always up for a chat or 12. Um, Uh, When we like that. Yes. And and stack now that he's refreshed from his long weekend vacay, um, maybe he'll be raring to go. Um, He might be. I'll have to see what his uh, schedule is for next week. I mean, he, my man, when you talk to Jeff stack, it's like, the Energizer Bunny drank Red Bull. And I don't mean that as a, as a slight. Absolutely not. My, my man is just like, wow. He's like a, he's like a Pat Kelsey kind of thing. He's well, just he wired. He's talking about baseball. Like, he does. So Passionate about it. Him started, that's yes. just kind of how it goes. And, yes. and I love that about him. He'll, he'll call me up in the middle of the night and say, man, I was just thinking about this. And we'll talk for 30, 45 minutes. Oh, Travis does the same thing, yeah, except we text. It's great, and I love yeah. it. So my wife will go upstairs. She's like, all right, I'm just going to let you guys sit here and talk. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll let you. And I love that. Yes, I'll let you old old guys have your combo. But yeah. um, no, but, but that's what happens. And to me, that's the sign of a coach who is pouring their heart and soul into what they're doing. He sure is. Um, and so, um, and, and listen, the Falcons are talented. Fort Mill's talented. Um and Catawba Ridge is most certainly talented. They're the defending 4A state champions. And um, I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jackson Mullins is back, and so is Clayton uh, Globber. Right. So, you know. Well, and, and, and you only lost only lost Jake McCoy, who's at South Carolina. Only. Who is insanely talented. Yes. I mean, Stoss has got the cupboard full over he, there. He does. They're going to be reloaded for this year. Um, and we'll just see how it goes. Matt, got any parting shots other than the Nancy Reagan slight, which is incredibly offensive? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> no. Can't you see I'm offended? You just all over my face. Is that what's on your face? No, well, okay. okay. An egg and whatever. I mean, we're Easy. Steady. Steady. No? Nothing? No parting shots. No, no parting got, shots. Got, what, wrestling um, finals. We have re- yeah, wrestling, wrestling finals. finals. Yep. 23rd, 24th at the lovely Anderson Pacific Center. Our JV baseball team starts the Catawba Bridge um, tournament next Saturday. Uh, varsity scrimmages Catholic tomorrow night, and then they start with live bullets down at White Knoll on Friday. Yeah, Fort Mill baseball doesn't get started for real until Thursday, February 29th. Oh. Uh, that is a 7th. 30-ish 
first pitch in the Coastal Invitational Tournament mm-hmm. at Waccamaw High School, which I think is Myrtle's Inlet. Yeah, it is. Uh, near, near Myrtle Beach. And um, Jackets have won that tournament and then finished runner-up in that tournament. So that's kind of the goal. But um, good, real quick before we finish up. So that night is also my daughter's ring ceremony at the College of Charleston, which starts at around 5 o'clock. By the way, in case you're wondering, it is an it is 73.4 miles. I was going to say it's probably around 78 yes, miles. Yes, right? from Mount Pleasant, from an apartment in Mount Pleasant Waccamaw. to Waccamaw High School. <laughs> Not that I've looked at it or anything. No, you haven't. Just saying. So the, the idea at the moment is go see my kid, get her a ring, have pictures made, that whole ball of wax, get in the truck, and try not to get caught speeding on Highway 17 get to walk them all fire up the broadcast and, and go to town it's gonna to be like it clark dude griswold you're not you're not canyon. kidding sir it's like clark griswold with the grand canyon okay let's go yeah let's go yeah it, it's i'll be like the dukes of hazard i'll be jumping people and doing all kinds Your of stupid guys stuff play this weekend also they CR. do yeah so they're in that cr uh tournament as well um i'm real anxious to see that just to see the talent yeah that's going to be displayed and see what corrections have been made from the scrimmage on Friday night. Right. Um, JV also scrimmages tomorrow night, Monday night uh, on the road. So uh, lots to learn um, for these young people, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see what lacrosse is going to do. Soccer is yeah. going to do. Um, I, I'm selfishly, uh, the Fort Mill boys golf team is pretty good. So I'm really anxious to see what coach Jeff Bridges has there, but That'll do it for us this week. If you want to be on a show, let us know. We would love to have you on and have some laughs and uh, update the people on who you are and what you love and all that fun stuff. But this covers all the events of the week of February the 11th. That'll do it for us. We'll be back next week with another edition of Mally Mill Towners. Until then, so long, everybody.